All right, good morning. It's good to be with you. Um, Father's Day, right? Yeah, this is fun. You know, it's easy to preach a Father's Day message, right? Especially as a great father like I am, right? <sighs> yeah, it's, it's kind of the whole role of being a pastor, right? You know, it's just this weird thing where you like get up and you're supposed to be the expert, but you realize like you're still working on this. <laughs> but I don't know, God uses it, right? And God... Um, it's his truth. It's not my truth. It's not something I've come up with. This is God's, God's will. This is God's word. This is God's perspective. And it's, it's good. So uh, a Father's Day message, however, I, I want to make sure I'm clear because uh, sometimes, uh, especially uh, you know, on, a, on a day like this where it's a little bit warm, uh, some of you might start you know, checking out, oh, it's a Father's Day message. I don't need to listen to this because I'm not a father, right? And, or whatever it may be. So I just want to make sure that you understand who this message is for before we begin. First of all, it is for uh, pretty much all men, okay? So it, you may not be old enough to have a father yet, uh, be a father yet, to have a kid yet, right? You know, and all that kind of thing. But that's okay. You're a pre-father, right? You're, you're in training, right? You're going you're gonna to be there someday and uh, likely, maybe, maybe not, but you're, you know, maybe in, at least not in the biological role or uh, that kind of thing. So you need to be prepared because by listening to this message, it'll help you to envision what a father, a good father is going to look like and how you want to live. But also uh, to those who are currently either biological fathers or adopted fathers that, that you need to pay attention as well, obviously, right? That may kind of makes sense because you are fathers currently. You're in that role, right? And, and the crazy thing about being a father is that when, you know, you have them, uh, you know, have those kids or you adopt those kids in your family, then you're kind of like a father forever, right? The rest of your life, you're in that kind of fatherly role. And so certainly those who are actual fathers need to listen. Uh, but finally, I also want to mention to those who may not be actual fathers, maybe you're past that uh, age, you never had kids or whatever it may be, uh, understand that uh, there's also the spiritual fathers who need to listen. Uh, because the amazing thing about God's family, like when we get adopted into his family, right, we now have this local body of believers that we get to be a part of. And as a result, you get to, as a man, you get to be a father to a bunch of teenagers and kids and all that kind of stuff. Uh, one of the great encouragements to me and, and my wife, Debbie, for even you know moving away from our kids, right? That's hard to do. I'm, I, we love our kids and we get along really well with our kids and, and our parents and all that kind of stuff. And so to leave them, it's like, what are you, why would you do that? Well, we do it because God calls us to, but also the amazing truth is, is that we've got, we've got a whole bunch of more kids to, to parent. <laughs> uh, you know, the youth group, uh, I've, as I've gotten to know teenagers, as I've gotten to know the kids in the, in the elementary ages and younger, I mean, uh, I get to be a father over and over and over again to a whole bunch of different kids. And so there, if you are a spiritual father, and if you're in this church, you should be a spiritual father, then, uh, then you need to listen to this message as well. Uh, however, it doesn't end with the men in the audience. It also includes the women in the audience. Uh, all women need fathers. All women need to know what to look for 
in a father? What does a father look like? Right now, obviously, as, as Matt prayed uh, in just a moment ago, we have the heavenly father, right? He's the one that we look to. And oftentimes, uh, for those of us, maybe some uh, who have, have not had an earthly father that either was present or was very healthy and in a very healthy relationship with us, we've had to turn our eyes to our heavenly father. But however, God, the uh, heavenly father gives us earthly fathers as well that may not be biologically connected to us. And so we need to be aware of that. If, if you're a, a young lady growing up and you're still looking for a husband someday, uh, you want to look for a good father. You need to know what that looks like. Uh, but also, and I think this is really important, uh, ladies, you need to know how you can encourage the fathers in your life. You need to know how to support them in order to help them to be the fathers that God is calling them to be. Uh, that, that, that women in our lives, in our world, play a key role just as much as the father does in being a father and supporting his family, which we're going to get into those details. The women, the wives, and the other women in our churches and in our world, they need to support their husbands and their fathers and the other men to be the father that God has called them to. Of course, fatherhood is pretty well under attack in our culture, has been for some time now. That the culture demeans the role of men and fatherhood. You really don't need a father anymore. Right? I mean, you, you can do it on your own. Now, again, there's a lot of amazing women that have been put in difficult situations and have had to be a single mom and raised their kids and done a great job of it. Uh, however, just because they're able to do that doesn't mean that they should have to do that, right? That, that actually God's design is there, uh, that to raise kids needs both the father and the mother. And that they would come together and they would join and use their skills and abilities to, to, to bring and raise children and to have this healthy family. But our culture demeans and diminishes the role of fatherhood. Really not needed. We find that men, especially young men, are afraid to be men. They're afraid that if they actually act like, you know, kind of their nature tells them to act, aggressive, uh, competitive, right, to, 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 to be outspoken, to be energetic, they, they're afraid to do that because our culture has said that that's not socially acceptable. And so we have this challenge in our culture and for men in our culture because they're afraid to be men and that oftentimes leads to men who become apathetic. Because if they can't be who they naturally want to be, then like what, you know, how, how are we supposed to do this? What am I supposed to do? And they can eventually end up relinquishing responsibility. And so you find too often times that a woman finds a man and they get married and then they have kids and then the man just kind of like, well, it's not my responsibility. And they're just not, they're just absent. They're not there. I think that's partly because our culture has kind of basically said, men, you're not that important really don't need you. And unfortunately, too often, the women in their lives have told dad and that as well, have not supported them stepping into those roles. This, of course, has uh, had an impact on the American Christian family as well. Because we're in this culture, we see the impacts in our churches. We see the impact in the families of those in our church. Now, there are too few dads today who are involved in church. The church in large part seems to be run by women. Now, most of the time you have a, a male pastor and male elders, but then that's kind of where it ends. 
all the other ministry that gets done too often in churches is done by the women of the church. Because fathers have stepped out of that role, fathers have been discouraged in taking that role, and I think because we are in this capitalistic society that tells us that the green, the greenback, the dollar is so important that that's the most important thing that a father does is he goes out and makes a living and provides for his family. Now that's an important role, don't get me wrong. But when we substitute that for the opportunity to actually father and to lead a family, I think we're missing, we're missing the point. There's too few Christian examples today of fatherhood. Unfortunately, too many young people are growing up without an example of what it looks like to even just be a dad, but to be a Christian dad. There's too few examples of that. Now, I, I praise the Lord that we have many great examples in our church, but that's not the case everywhere, and that's not the case in every family. It's a challenging time. There's a lack of vision for our young people as they grow up. This is why I'm concerned for our youngest generation as these, these generations grow up is because they don't have fathers to understand what it looks like to, to really be a dad, a dad who's a Christian dad, a dad who's involved and engaged not just with his own family, but also with the church family. There's just so few examples of that. And without examples, without a vision of what that looks like, how do young men ever really experience that? How do they ever live into that? How do they ever catch an idea of what that's going to be? and how to do it. The role of fatherhood is a key role in the life of a man. And again, this includes those who are single and never had kids before. Again, if you're involved in the church, it's a church family. Even if you've never had your own kids, you have a responsibility to be a father figure in the church. A guy named Stu Weber wrote a book some years ago called Four Pillars of a Man's Heart. I would encourage you, if you haven't read it before, to read it. It's been out for quite some time. And good, good book about fatherhood, but also about leadership and so many good things. A couple quotes I have for him for you. One, uh, he'll give one now and, and later at the end of this um, message, I'll, I'll quote another one. This one uh, uh, is simply this. Weber says, in God's economy, a man will never get any higher, never have any greater influence never wield any greater power than he does as the head of his own home. And that's where men are made. And just like that, this idea that we as men need to recognize the importance of this role of manhood, of fatherhood, of being a good husband, and all of that goes with it. And part of the reason that we need to understand the importance of it is because it is a God-given role. God has given men, men the authority to be the head of the house. Ephesians chapter 6, or excuse me, chapter 5, verse 23. You've heard this verse before, but hear it again. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. The husband is the head of the wife, the head of the household. First Timothy talks about how if you're going to be a part of managing the church as an elder or a deacon, then you need to be able to manage your home well because men have been given the responsibility, the authority to manage their own homes. God has ordained that men have the authority in the home. It's not because men have earned it. It's not because men deserve it. 
God selected us. In essence, because we were created first is what scripture teaches us, we have been given that responsibility, that authority to run and to manage the home. And this authority actually mirrors the authority of the Godhead. God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? There's authority structure there. And in that authority structure, God the Father is the top dog. And then there's Jesus, and then there's the Spirit. When we think about that, our, oftentimes we think, okay, the, that means that God is the most powerful. God the Father is the most powerful. No? We can think that, hey, God the, God the Father is the most important. No. God the Father is the most valuable. No. He's none of those things. It's an authority structure. There's, it doesn't have anything to do with value. It doesn't have anything to do with importance. It doesn't even have anything to do with power necessarily. It has to do with authority. God has given man, men authority in the home, but that doesn't make them more valuable. It doesn't make them more important than their wives or their children. It just means that they have authority. However, this authority, and this is the sobering thought for us men, with authority comes responsibility. You see, God selected us to have authority in the home, but with authority comes responsibility. So instead of it being something where we can go, yeah, look at you know, all this some power I have, it actually should humble us because we realize, oh my gosh, I'm responsible for my wife. I'm responsible for my kids. We are responsible to use our authority in a way that will bless our families, to bless our kids, specifically to teach and to model proper theology a proper worldview, and understanding that teaching and modeling is always happening. You know, sometimes we think, you know, well, you know, I've not done a very good job of teaching my kids the Bible, or I haven't done a very good job of really coming alongside them and helping them understand God's word. And kind of, actually, no, you have done a really good job of teaching them already. You've taught them by your lack of purposefulness, by your lack of spending time in the word with them, you've taught them that the word is not important. You see, we're always teaching. Our kids are looking up to us. This is why we see this, right? I mean, kids, when they grow up, this is the normal thing for them. This is what normal is. And so if normal for them is chaos, when they get older and they begin to have their own family, they're going to look for chaos. If they grow up in a normal, a healthy, quote normal, if they, what normal is, if they grow up in a healthy house and that's normal for them, when they get older, then they're going to look for that happiness. If they grow up in a house with sarcasm like I did, then you're going to look to have a family that has a lot of sarcasm in it. Thank God that my church family enjoys that as well. Um, you, know, you know what I'm saying? So our kid, and the reason this is, is because our kids are constantly looking at us and learning. We are constantly teaching them something. The question is, are we purposeful about it? Are we really thinking about what we're teaching? We also, as a, a, as a responsibility of having this responsibility in the home, need to mentor and, and apprentice our kids. We need to live with them. It's not just about dictating to them God's word. It's actually living life with them. And here's an important piece. Mentors are never perfect. 
You don't have to be a perfect dad. You don't have to do everything just right. It's amazing what people can learn when you make those mistakes and they see how you respond to the mistake. Mentors don't need to be perfect. They just need to be available. Men, are we available? Are we available to our kids? Or has capitalism driven us to the point where that's the only thing that matters is making sure we have that paycheck so we can have that bigger home, that nicer home, and our kids can have all these toys. Our kids don't need toys. They need fathers. And this leads to the next point is that this kind of authority and this responsibility, how do we do this? How do we use this? How do we wield this power, if you will? We do it as servants. Scripture clearly teaches us that that leadership is about servanthood. Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 to 28, Jesus speaking with his disciples says this, but Jesus called them to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Men, I think, are uniquely in some sense gifted with the ability to sacrifice for their families. Actually, this is why so many dads pour their life into their work. Part of that motivation is to care for their family. They want to make sure their, can- their family is cared for and taken care of and, and blessed And so they're willing to sacrifice so much time and effort and energy put into that in order to to make sure, kind of keep moving up that corporate ladder so that they can have all those things so they can bless their kids with all that stuff. But the question we have to ask, is money the only thing that we, way we serve our kids? We need to provide for our kids. That's what leadership is. That's what servant leadership is. We serve, you know, we work all day to provide for our kids physically but also emotionally, we need to provide for them, which means we need to be there. We need to be in relationship with them. Allow them to have those conversations with us. But also we can't forget the spiritual aspect of provision. We need to disciple our kids. Again, we have been given authority, which means that we have the responsibility. And if we have the responsibility, that means we need to help to disciple our kids. Doesn't mean we have to do it all. It's a partnership between us and, and their mom, the kids' mom, right? I mean, but, but we need to recognize our role in this. But there's more than just provision. There's also protection. That we need to protect our kids physically for sure. And men, again, are uniquely, I think, you know, gifted to be able to do that with the strength that they have and, and, and just kind of the stubbornness that they have. They're willing to step out and protect their kids, but also they need to protect them emotionally. We need to be there for them emotionally and relationally. And then of course, we can't forget the spiritual side as well. Fathers, we, we need to point out sin 
to our kids. We need to be clear about it. Watching the TV, you see something come up. You know, my kids got really tired of me talking to the TV. <laughs> I'm not saying I was a great example of this because a lot of times it was stupid things I was saying. But, but you know, are we, are, 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 we, are we informing? Are we recognizing when sin comes on the TV? That, are we speaking that to our kids? Are we saying it out loud? Not just assuming they get it. Also, we need to be the manager of the home. We need to serve by recognizing the gifts of our kids. What do they do well? It's amazing how, how young they are and you begin to see. I mean, before the age of two, you begin to see the, uh, some of the gifts that they have, the little bit of the personality they have. You begin to see kind of how God has made them, right? As fathers, we need to recognize those things and we need to empower those things. When we recognize our kids are good at certain things, we need to encourage them in those things. Don't, don't be apathetic. I struggle with, I, I was really bad at this as a father, I feel like. I, I wasn't a very good encourager to my kids. I wish I would have said more times, hey, you're really good at that. Or, oh my gosh, you did a great job with that. Man, you're amazing. I wish I would have said more of that. We as fathers need to be encouragers. Empower the gifts that they have, but also we need to be the supporters of their weaknesses. Be careful with their weaknesses. Recognize where those weaknesses are and help to protect those weaknesses. Dads, we need to be cheers, cheerleaders for our kids, right? We need to be on the sidelines, but we also need to be in the living rooms, cheering our kids on for the good things that they can do. Now, maybe you're feeling a little bit depressed as a father right now. <laughs> the challenge, this is the calling that God has called us to. And we all fail. I think that's one of the, that's one of the processes, I think, of fatherhood that is so good. Is at some point you do come face to face with your own failure in that re- regard. And you realize that you weren't the father that you wanted to be, that you should have been, that God calls you to. And I know for me, processing over the last probably five or six years now, those failures has been really good to me. It's been good for me because it's humbled me (laughs) a lot. But also, it's been good because it has turned my eyes to Jesus. Because the amazing thing, even in our failure, God can use it for good. (laughs) It's unbelievable that he can, but he can, and he does. Which leads us to this last piece. We as fathers need to make sure that we have this understanding that we need to be engaged in intimate relationships. This is oftentimes maybe the hardest thing for men because it seems like we're not kind of, we're not made for that. Like it's not a natural thing for some of us to be relational. 
Some of us, you know, like to work hard, maybe like, you know, like to sometimes be left alone, you know, like to have our kind of things in, in set in place. And, you know, I mean, many, of, many men have, have, you know, they love to pour themselves into work because they love the competition. They love the, the hard work, the making and accomplishing something. But relationships is hard. It's different. It's, it's you don't, they, they, you can't view it in the same way. There's not a checklist to check off, right? I mean, everything is so kind of crazy and chaotic. And so it can be hard, but we're called to relationship as well. As fathers, we need to have a relationship with our family. We need to be available to be in relationship with our wives and with our kids. And that means we've got to carve out time. Somehow to carve out time in our lives so that we can spend that time with our kids. But we also need to be in intimate relationship with other, other men. I think this is so often missed and again, it points to the, the whole point that, you know, I think so many churches, their men's groups are pretty small and not very active, but their women's groups are massive and super active. And the reason, again, is because I think we have a hard time with relationships, not just with our families, but also with other men. But we need this. Proverbs 27, 17, a familiar verse. Most men's group have it somewhere in their uh, paperwork. Iron sharpens iron. And one man sharp, as one man sharpens another. We need these relationships with our brothers in Christ. We need to be vulnerable with a friend. There are too many of us men who are struggling silently. We don't feel like we can talk to our wives or our kids. And we don't have any friendships with men that we feel that we can trust and be vulnerable with. And so we're left alone. And we think this is just what it means to be a man. You don't need anybody else. Oh, I can do it. Uh, let's go. Right? I mean, and a lot of life is that way. But we've been called to relationship. We need each other. But most importantly, the relationship we need is one with Jesus. Because if we're going to be the father that God's calling us to be, it's only through the empowerment of Jesus that we can actually accomplish that. We need a relationship, an intimate relationship with Jesus. And, and, and I think, you know, as men, we tend to be really good at intellectual relationship with God. Like, you know, that, that you know, we, 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 we can, you know, grab scripture and we can understand it and study it and know it and have, have a good mind for theology. Or maybe we're really good at just serving, like, you know, using the body, you know, have a con body connection with God where we're serving him and we love to get out and let's build something. Let's, you know, do something amazing and it's going to be great for Jesus, right? And so we can connect with God with the mind oftentimes and with the body. But when it comes to the heart, we men oftentimes struggle connecting with God. And we think we don't need it. Well, I'm connecting God with the mind. I'm connecting God with the body. It's okay, I don't need the heart. No, 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 God has called us all three of those. We all need to come to understand and connect with God with our body, with our mind, and with our heart. The amazing thing is, is that God, we can have this intimate relationship with Jesus. We can it's open to us, but we just need to put in the time and the effort to make that happen, to, to, to carve out that space. Five minutes, 10 minutes, you're driving to work, 
take that 10 minutes. I remember I was uh, one of the most amazing years of my life. I was going to school in Canada. I was living in Washington State, going to school in Canada. And it was like a, almost an hour drive one way. And I was going up like four days a week to school. And so I had like two hours on the road. And one year uh, I decided that instead of reading books while I was driving for school, <laughs> yeah, I know, shouldn't be doing that, I know, but I was. Anyway, <laughs> instead of driving bo reading books while I was driving, I said, you know what, this year, God, I'm going to commit my commute time to you. I'm going to spend it in prayer. Oh my gosh. The change that that did in my heart and with my relationship with God was profound but we don't need to spend two hours a day. I mean, if you got it, let's do it. It's amazing what he'll do with just 10 or 15 minutes. Do you have a 15 minute commute? Can you just turn off the radio and let's just talk with Jesus for 15 minutes. Let's listen to what he has to say. We can have and we need this intimate relationship with Jesus. If we are gonna be the fathers that we want to be, if we're going to be the fathers that he's calling us into, we need to figure out this relationship with Jesus. That's the way to do it. It's not through working harder. It's not through just making our, my own effort, right? And oh, I'll figure this out. I'll schedule this out. I can do this. If we try to do it under our own power, then that leads to frustration and anger and lashing out. We're like telling, now we get mad at the kids. Hey, I had 10 minutes here to spend with you and you're screwing around and now we can't have this 10 minutes. It's your fault. Wait, wait a second. Right, right? When we're doing it in our own power, it's like, no, this is my time. I've got to say, no, no, no. Let's, if we have this intimate relationship with Jesus and we begin to take these things to him, say, Lord, help me to be that father. It begins to come out more naturally. Certainly it takes effort on our part as well, but the, it begins with that relationship with Jesus. All right, worship team, why don't you come up? I've just got a closing quote from Stu Weber. I, I, what I like about this book probably most is its vision that it casts, the vision that he casts of, of manhood and, and what that looks like in the home. And so uh, this is a, a portion of a longer quote uh, that I'm going to read that I think where he just kind of describes what the family is supposed to or could look like if we are really in that intimate relationship with Jesus, and he's beginning to allow that to flow out of us into our lives as fathers and husbands and in the community. So again, Stu Weber from Four Pillars of a Man's Heart. The role of masculinity in the home and in society is indisputably foundational. When manhood runs amok, everyone suffers. When the king in a man is fully functional, the home, and therefore the neighborhood, community, nation, and culture will experience greater calm. When a man is capable, when a man is the capable, caring leader he should be, people can flourish. Emotions are stable. Out of control behaviors fade and people grow into love and trust. When the king is in his castle, so to speak, his wife is energized, his children are purposeful, 
And the relationships within the family become the springboard from which the challenges of life are successfully met. Fathers, the role that we've been chosen for, selected for, we don't have a choice. God ordained it. He said, men, you're in authority. Authority over in the home. You're the head of the house. That comes with great responsibility. Responsibility to care for that home. To make sure that they're not just cared for and provided for and protected, but they're also spiritually developed. And in order to do that, we have to be servants. We have to sacrifice. We have to make sure that they're cared for, their needs are cared for above our own, before our own. But in order to do any of that, (laughs) coming full circle, we go back to the one who has ordained us to be that authority figure. And we cry out to him and say, Jesus, help me. I can't do this, but you can. All right, church, let's stand. And we'll sing a song and then I'll come back with a closing passage. Father, we uh, thank you for your amazing goodness to us and uh, the privilege actually that it is to be a father. Uh, Lord, I, I, I recognize that your word, it, it reveals to us the way things should be, even when they're not. And Lord, I, I pray that, you know, as we maybe for the first time or maybe just a reminder today or maybe uh, this has come to us over and over again recently as we see again what you are calling us to as fathers that we recognize that the the call is not to do it on our own that the call is not uh, to bring guilt and shame over how we've failed or haven't done it it's just a way of saying, it look, this, is, this is what it's supposed to look like. It's just to bring awareness that we would turn our focus maybe for a little bit as men and go, wait a second, what about my fathering? Am I doing the things that God wants me to be doing as a father? Am I, am I being responsible? Am I protecting physically and emotionally and spiritually? But more important, Lord, that should again just drive us to our knees, recognizing that we can't do it on our own. This is the amazing thing about your word and all of it, whatever you call us to. You call us to really a higher standard, but we can never reach it. And so all of us are forced to go to our knees once again, just to say, we need you. We need help. And, And maybe that's the whole point today is that we as fathers would just once again, get on our knees and ask ask that you would help us. Matthew 7, verse 7 and following, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for a bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? In Jesus' name.
Amen.